Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 1st, 2019. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 23, and we will be reading the fourth paragraph that begins, The Tragic Truth Is and commenting on that one paragraph today. Today's readers are Diane G, 12 Steps, Linda C, 12 Traditions, and readers of the text, Jan S, T, Katie G, and Hoodie R. The share IDs for yesterday, important information. The 7 a.m. share ID, 12840, 12,840. And yesterday's 10 a.m. share ID, one two eight four two twelve thousand eight forty two overeaters anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Diane G., would you please read the 12 steps for OA? Good morning, this is Diane G. from New Hampshire, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. And Linda C., 
Would you please read OA's 12 Traditions? Yes, this is Linda C. calling in from Western Nebraska. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon a OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Linda C., for your service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will give a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, Please let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Also a gentle reminder, please do not use your speaker phone option. Um, it causes a terrible uh, echo on the line and we want a clean recording. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 23. And we are reading the fourth paragraph that starts the tragic truth. And I would now like to ask Jan St to get us started. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, and good morning, fellow visionaries. I'm Jan St from the Boston area, gratefully recovered. Okay. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. He has lost control. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, 
He passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. Again, I'm Jan, gratefully recovered from the Boston area. And um, in the first uh, sentence, the happy date may not arrive, refers to the previous paragraph um, where that happy day is when the alcoholic stops drinking. Um, uh, so that's what that is about. Um, and the real alcoholic is uh, described in the same chapter we're on. There is a solution on page 21. And the real alcoholic is described as a person who loses all control over his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. Um, and I think I was a real compulsive overeater, even in very, very early childhood. Um, I would eat as many sweets as I could get my hands on, for sure. And even though I was in a normal body size as a child, I believe I never had control over sugary foods. And then by my early 30s, the challenges of everyday life increased, and I passed into a state where the most powerful desire to stop eating was of absolutely no avail, as it describes in this paragraph we're reading right now today. Um, I remember many, many times where, uh, while binging, my stomach would be extremely full and I did not want to eat. I would be saying to myself, I don't want to eat, but yet I couldn't control my hand from continuing to go from the bag, from the box, from the package, from the bowl into my mouth over and over and over again, even when my stomach would be hurting me. In those situations and in many others, I truly des uh, desired to stop, but I could not. I don't know when I arrived at the point where I had no power of choice over my alcoholic foods. I certainly didn't understand it as a child. And believe it or not, I didn't even suspect it when I couldn't stop compulsively overeating as I just described which is a good example of not only the allergy of the body, but a twist of the mind. I suppose I didn't begin to understand or suspect I was a real compulsive eater until I took step one, until I came into these rooms and worked with a recovered sponsor and began to understand what step one meant in my life. And I started to take that and believe that. Or I admitted I was powerless over my alcoholic foods and could not manage my food and could not manage my life. Now, each day, sometimes repeatedly in a day, I have the need and the opportunity to reconfirm I am a real compulsive overeater, to move beyond not suspecting, as it describes in this paragraph, to become aware and to actually embrace my lack of control as the gift that offers me the opportunity to move into alignment with higher power. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so very much, Jan St. Okay, the line is now open. If you would like to share, press star one. Say your first name clearly one time with your last initial, and I will jot your name down as quickly as my pen will write. Katie G like from Boston. Sharon Katie K. Sharon K. Janice, I'm sorry I didn't catch the initial. 
B, like in boy. Can Leia B. S. Thank you. Leia S. Reva P. Reva P. One more. KDF. KDF is in Frank. Is that KDF? Okay. Yeah. I have KDG. Okay, great. Thanks, Katie. I have KDG, Sharon K, Janice B, Leah S, Reva P, and Katie F. We got Katie's on the bookends. KDG, go ahead, please. Good morning, Maura. Good morning. This is KDG. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Yeah, what were my desires? Like, God, if this were a program of, you know, into desiring to stop hurting myself with food, I mean, I'd be done. I'd be, it'd be great. And, you know, what are my desires? Like, you know, I, I, I wanted nothing more from the moment that I was a little girl binging my brains out. I desired nothing more than to be normal. I just wanted to stop eating. And why is that tragic? Book says tragic twice. Because I don't even know. I don't even know. I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food. I take the bite, and the bite takes me. But what's the greater aspect of my malady is this mind, this buildup of human emotions that is an addict I cannot process and heartbreaking to, to my family being, um, you know, 228 pounds, being 110 pounds, losing um, my, my period, losing my hair, losing my teeth, you know, like, it's tragic. And yet I don't suspect that my desire to want, like, it's so interesting. There's no chapter in the book called Into Wanting. And I, I, it is so tragic. I, I talked with a, a dear one yesterday. She has a beautiful life. We all do, right? Like God gives us beautiful lives. But the truth is I will hand over anything. If I am in the phenomenon of craving, I will give you my child. I will give you my husband. I will give you anything you ask for um, because I have no power, no choice, and no control. And it is, you know, and um. I don't know at what point um, the, the, the food convinced me, but man, am I grateful. Man, am I grateful that all I knew when I called this woman was, I can't do it anymore. The exercise has me. I can't do it anymore. Help me. Tell me what to do. I, I'm not the I know guy. I, I, I don't know how to do this. And for me, an egotistical, egomaniac, leader-driven, you know, success-driven person to call someone and say, my life is done. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the point is. It was so humbling. So if you're sitting there right now and you have food in your mouth or your finger down your throat, you are in the right place because, you know, it doesn't, because, because your desperation finally, you know, none of us can convince you. This is all our, our, our experience, but I'm so grateful that my experience finally taught me to sit down and to follow Gentle some reminder. directions and, um, you know, I'm just grateful that I have a solution today and that I am teachable for one more day. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Katie G. Sharon K., it is your turn, followed by Janice B. 
Sharon, star one, we can't hear you. Um, I, I really related to the uh, last Sharon, line. can you speak up, please? Okay, sorry. Just a second. Is that better? Much, thank you. Is that better? Okay. Yes, thank you. Um, I really related to the last line. This tragic situation has already arrived long before it is expected. And this was so true for me. I mean, I've been in program a long time. And I was one of those people that was bumping along in chronic relapse, like 80, 90% abstinent. I, most of my days in the year, I was going and eating abstinently, but every week, every three days, every two weeks, I would break my abstinence. And I was fooling myself that I was basically okay. And the truth was that I was kept trying over and over and over again to eat as close to normal people as I could. And it's amazing how long I was able to go fooling myself that I wasn't really that bad. And it was um, it was a series of events that, that got me to realize the first was which I had broken my abstinence again and I was with my daughter and saying, you know, oh, I wish I could stop doing that. I'd like to get this weight off. And she said to me, mom, stop focusing on the weight. Look at how you change as a person whenever you go out. And she said it in such a loving way. I was able to hear her. And then that was the first piece that really started to give me the commitment and help me to surrender and do my step one since I was in program as opposed to always focusing on what I was like before program. And since then, I've been able to surrender, and my life is completely different. Thank you. Thank you. Janice B., it is your turn, followed by Leah S. Did you call for Janice B.? I did. Okay, good. <laughs> I was unmuting. Um, Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Grateful to be here and grateful to be opening my mouth today. So when I read this this morning, the line that stuck out for me was long before it is suspected. And, um, you know, I, I meditated on that and I, you know, re I remembered um, as a kid um, stealing money to buy candy to, um, so I could be a big shot at school and um, eating boxes of Jello and um, spending all my allowance on um, candy or sweets, cookies, what, whatever. Um, uh, but, you know, when I came into OA so many years ago, I, I you know, I, I really didn't think that um, I had the kind of problem that other people had in, in the program. And um, I thought if I just do, do the tools and um, work my program, I could... Um, uh, you know, 
and be abstinent, then um, everything was going to be um, good. You know, I was good. I could manage my life fine. That the, the first part of step one, um, it, it was all about um, food then. And, you know, I didn't get the steps. I didn't, um, I didn't get a relationship with a higher power. It was so rule-based and coming from the outside of me. But then, you know, I found this big book meeting and um, I was in a miserable spiritual place of um, spiritually dead. And um, I didn't focus, I wasn't focusing on food um, so much as I needed a spiritual awakening. And and that was my total focus, um, having a spiritual awakening. And I, I, you know, I've been abstinent on and off and, um, and I don't like to pay attention to the food. <laughs> and I, you know, I realized that this morning that um, this, uh, like, I need to, um, I need to pay attention to the food that, um, that, um, my primary purpose is to stay abstinent. Thank you. Um, and I, I can't bypass that um, for to focus on spiritual awakening. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice B. Leah S., it's your turn, followed by Reva P. Thank you so very much. Thank you, everyone, on this meeting. Um, Leah S. recovered in Brooklyn. He passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is no avail, absolutely no avail. I came in in 2012, at the end of 2012. I was a real wreck. And I cannot say that this is the first time I sincerely, sincerely, and with all of my everything, wanted to lose weight and and just lose and lose and lose and, and be skinny and look pretty and be successful and be be everything that, that anyone would ever uh, imagine or did not even imagine. And the tragic thing about this whole situation is that I was yo-yoing up and down my entire life, but I never really brought it to the surface. It's the powerful desire. What is powerful? Who is powerful? What is powerful? That I never asked myself. What is really the power of greatest of all powers? And that I did never ask myself because I wasn't in that stage. I wasn't abstinent enough to pay attention to what you were saying and what this big book was explaining. The attention that I needed and the concentration and the understanding is follow simple steps. Simple Get everything out of the equation, your feelings, your everything, whether you know better, your prejudice, you're not, you're whatever you are. It's that power that has 
enabled me to get out of the chaos, chaotic mind and, and, and everything else and put them into perspective and get that structure into my life and to follow and today to even face the most impossible things that, that used to be impossible, that God makes it possible. I am only a human being. I really am. And I cannot do everything myself. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Katie F. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, I looked up the word tragic, and I'm not usually one who looks up words, but they mention it twice in the same paragraph. And it has words like extreme distress, sorrow, um, catastrophe, devastating, awful, miserable, wretched. And, you know, that was my life because I didn't know the truth. And truth, it says, is like a fact, a reality. And when I am in the disease, I cannot differentiate the true from the false. And I had no clue what the truth was. Um, And this is telling me what the truth is. The truth is I have the twofold nature. I have a physical allergy that has this weird component, which means I crave after I ingest the substance. Um, And I just want to destroy myself eating more and more and more when I trigger the allergy. So the tragedy there was I didn't want to have the allergy. I wanted to eat what everybody else was eating. I wanted to be able to have one, and that made me miserable, and it was a tragedy. And the other part of the truth and the reality is that when I'm abstinent only, I am a crazy person, and I'm restless, irritable, discontent, um, and I will boomerang right back to the food because why? Because at that point, it's not the physical allergy. I need to feel right. I need to feel ease and comfort, and I seek it in the food. Um, So this is telling me the truth that I have no control. You know, I've heard people come in, and I think I said the same thing when I came in. I want to just learn how to control my food, go back out and live my life. Um, But once I accept the facts and the reality, um, I can do something about it um, and I can address the spiritual hole when the food is down um, and live like people share, happy, joyous, and free. Um, And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Katie F., it is your turn. Katie F., you called me? I did. Good to hear your voice. Okay, thank you. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And and the happy day may not arrive. And that was my story, which I'm sure is everybody's story, or we wouldn't be standing around our kitchens at 7.30 on a Wednesday morning listening to a phone line because, you know, this isn't what I intended to be when I grew up. I didn't, you know, as, as someone else shares regularly that, you know, <laughs> I didn't think that this is what it was going to look like. And my idea was that 
I would, um, and I don't have any idea where I got this idea in the room that if I just started doing what I wanted to be doing with my life, then I wouldn't have to eat. And no one was more surprised than I was when I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing and my eating was worse than ever by exponentially, just so much worse. And that's when I hit my bottom, doing what I wanted to be doing with my life, um, you know, happy, joyous, and free in, in that area of my life, and yet I picked up the food again. And it was so um, devastating that I thought that OA didn't work. I thought that, you know, diets didn't work for me anymore. That's why I came to OA initially was because, you know, the clock rolled around and it was um, the fall and I usually would go on a diet and I could not diet anymore. And so I came to OA. And in OA for six years, I was up and down and up and down and back and forth and trying to find the answer, trying to find the perfect food plan. And, and I did everything except what I was told to do. I did everything except what this book tells us to do. And admitting complete defeat just, just did not, um, I just couldn't do it because I blamed everything on everyone else. And so I just thought that I had to line everybody else up perfectly and then everything would be fine and it wasn't fine um this food is no respecter of persons it doesn't it doesn't matter how rich i am how poor i am how happy i am how sad i am if everything's good if everything's bad i'm gonna pick up the food and so it was um my desire did not did not matter (laughs) My desire to stop did not matter. It didn't matter until I finally said, okay, okay, I'm going to really do what people are telling me to do and stop fighting the process of surrendering to a power greater than myself because I believed in God, but I didn't think that God cared about my food. And until I could tell myself, I had no, um, I just couldn't recover. And I'm so grateful that that cycle stopped and I'm here today, a recovered woman. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, KDF. Okay, we are on page 23 in the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution, and we are reading the fourth paragraph on the page that starts, The Tragic Truth Is. And if you haven't shared in the last day or two and you would care to share, please press star one and give me your first name and your first initial of your last name. M. Melissa C. Somebody with an M. Melissa, Chris I got M. you. Who was somebody with an M? Chris M. Chris M. Thank you. Melissa this is Larry. C. Larry. I got Tina S. I have Chris M. Melissa C. Tina S. Larry K. A couple more. Sandy S. Sandy S. Okay, let's go with that. Leia M. I've got Chris M., Melissa C., Tina S., Larry K., Sandy S., and Leia M. Chris M., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Chris M., a compulsive eater in New York. And I've been back into um, listening to these um, meetings about a week. And I want to tell you, I'm 
so filled with hope. It's amazing. Every time I was sharing last night with someone in the, in the, uh, in the fellowship that every time I listen to a meeting, I'm like, Oh my God, that was the best meeting. I got so much out of that. That was the best one. And then I listened another time and uh, it's just amazing to me, the language you guys are speaking my language. Um, everything I heard this morning was just so spot on for me. And I really am at that desperate place and I'm, I'm grateful for it. You know, at least that's, I've got something out of being in OA for 30 years. Um, I understand the blessing of getting to a place where I'm teachable because like others shared this morning, you know, for me to, um, to admit that I can't do something is so shameful it's so devastating. And I really thought, like, I, I desire this so, so much. Why can't I get to it? Why can't I accomplish this, um, this food thing of being able to, you know, eat normally? Really, that's what I wanted, to eat normally. And um, I'm just learning so much. I feel very... Um, what the word is committed for today I have to say that for today um, and I have a desire to recover my life you know it's, it can't be about the food because like it was just shared I kept thinking well if I just pursue my goals and my dreams and 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 reach my potential I can I'll be so I'll be happy I'll be I'll be able to not eat I won't need to eat anymore and this is the point where I'm at now where I've done a lot um, I've, I've accomplished quite a lot that I wanted to do personally, um, professionally, personally, and I'm, I'm more miserable than ever. And, um, gee, I guess there's more to it than just trying to, um, live life on my terms. And I, I really am very thankful to be in this position because I guess this is my path. This is my pathway to God and to spiritual um, growth and to the to the transformation, this is it. And honesty and uh, seeing the truth is um, it's the way to be. It's the way to go. So, thank you so much, and everyone have a blessed day. at pass. Thank you so much, Chris M. Melissa C. It's your turn, followed by Tina S. Hi. Good morning, Mara. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York and you know I years ago I thought like the most tragic thing in the world was to tell me that I can't eat x y and z again like that was the only thing I could focus on um and you know and I gave up um miraculously the foods that I thought were my problem you know that that and so the tragedy was I had no clue that that was just the tip of the iceberg. And what's really tragic is that this disease, for me, um, and I guess for everybody that, you know, is being described here, um, we get and, and are in, you know, in the throes of long before we realize it. You know, it's like um, I gave over piece by piece of my life in small, in small doses, um, when I still thought I had power, choice, and control. 
and and then reached a point where I was, you know, completely owned by the food. It's it's yeah, the food I took the bite and the bite took me. And what's tragic is we don't realize that we've got this until we can't until we can't get ourselves out. You know, when the food was still fun, um, I was I was getting this disease already. I was it was forming already. But hey, it was still fun. So, you know, why would I stop when I still had time to stop? If, if I did, I don't know that I did. But um, you know, I I have family members um, on my father's side of the family who they were my cautionary tale growing up. I had an aunt that was morbidly obese, my father's sister, my father's brother, um, and they were consistently pointed out to me as an overweight child, like Melissa careful, you're going to be like that. And, you know, I had no idea, first of all, that I that I had a disease and I thought I did have power, choice, and control. And if I could just summon up a little more willpower, a little more, you know, guts, I, I, could, I could fight against this thing and not be like my aunt and uncle. And, you know, what's tragic is that they're gone. You know, they died. And, um, and I know they died of this disease. My aunt had many, many years ago gastric surgery. It was not successful. She suffered miserably. And um, and my uncle also, they, they died, you know, from this disease. And I don't know that anybody ever carried the message to them. But um, I, I, I don't believe... Gentle reminder. Thank you. I don't believe for me anymore having this disease is a tragedy. Um, for me, it is a great gift. What was tragic was that I didn't know I had it. Thank you. I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. Tina S., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Maura. Thanks so much. Tina S., a recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Thanks for your service. Wow, what a great meeting, you know. Uh, and it, you know, this paragraph for me just uh, confirms and reaffirms step one, that I am so totally powerless. And upon that, my life becomes totally unmanageable. But I loved all the definitions, you know, tragic, you know, extreme distress. So there, I was so there. And that happy day certainly did not arrive while I was still in the food and, and uh, running on Tina's willpower you know, which was non-existent. But I love the last sentence. It says, this tragic situation has already arrived, it already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. suspected. And that's my experience. You know, if I could have done, solved this thing, I would have. You know, if I could have, I would have. You know, for 30 years, uh, I lived in this disease, and it was heartbreaking. You know, not only for me, but the, the people around me. And, and, you know, and I had tried every avenue to to arrest it did not work you know the only thing that has ever worked is the 12 steps and a spiritual well not just the 12 steps a spiritual awakening you know i could talk about the 12 steps all day long unless i am actively doing this deal i'm not getting it you know because i've been in that place also and you know today i am so convinced you know that's why i love getting on this line early in the morning so right from the start i am so convinced that i belong here 
You know, and what am I going to do today? How free do I want to be today? Am I going to participate in my life? Am I going to, you know, continue to stay sober and abstinent and sane through the process of the 12 steps and then give this thing away? I love that that was talk about, talked about. You know, if, if I think that I'm just, you know, following a food plan, I can do that. I'm a great dieter until I'm not. You know, what has to happen for me is that psychic change, you know, that transformation that comes about only for me through the process and, and the 12 steps so that I can, you know, give this thing to somebody else, which has been so freely given to me. And that's the high, spot, high point of my life today. And who would have thought? Who would have thought, you know, being so powerless? And, you know, I have a new manager today so that I can continue to step two and then go on through the rest of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Great meeting. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Larry. Could you you repeat what page we're on? Uh, Because I can't keep track of. We are in the chapter. We We are in. We are in the chapter. There is a solution. Thank you for asking. We are on page 23. And we are reading the last paragraph that starts, the tragic truth is that. And I hope that made sense for you, dear. And Larry Kay, good morning. Good morning, Maura. It made sense for me. It's helpful. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I, um, as we read this stuff, I like to think about our pioneers. And what's coming to mind for me is Dr. Bob. I don't know why, but Dr. Bob, he never suspected you know, that this, the progression of this disease would become problematic for him. And, and he, he attended a pretty good college. He attended Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. And he, he said that he drank uh, more and more without much grief, physical, emotional grief. In fact, he was able to snap back pretty, pretty um, well the next morning. He, he said he never once in his life did he have a headache after binge drinking. You know, and, and after he graduated um, from Dartmouth in 1902, he attended um, a college here in Chicago, Rush Medical School in Chicago. And, and while attending college, he, you know, the progression of the disease, you know, became something where he, he became a steady drinker. And that situation progressed and it progressed and it got worse. And, in, and, he, and he married his high school sweetheart, though, you know, Ann Ripley, and he, he brought her to Akron. And he became a successful surgeon. I mean, this guy was, was no slouch, but he continued to struggle with alcoholism. And things went bad, you know, from bad to worse. And he began to pay dearly. And yet, here's what I find interesting. They, he, he, one of the things he said was that when they passed the 18th Amendment, you know, they banned alcohol, essentially. He said he felt safe. And it makes me think, not that this, this is never going to happen, right? But can you imagine if there was an amendment passed outlawing my, my alcoholic foods? Would you feel safe? Probably not. Probably just like Dr. Bob, you'll find a way to get to your, to your heroin substance, right? Because you're, you're biologically mandated to get there. And uh, so you, you can ban it. I, I get to my, my stuff in two minutes. I always did. I don't care what the weather was. I don't care what the progression is disease at some point. It doesn't really matter what point. I can't tell you at what point I lost complete control, but there did come a point. And it, and it creeped up on me, just like Dr. Bob. It doesn't matter how many years later. 
and then it owned me. And then I was tethered and enslaved by this disease. And until I accepted that complete powerlessness, just like Dr. Bob, when he met Bill, I would never attempt to uh, forge a new relationship with my higher power. I would never be open to becoming aligned with my higher power because I would, I would always feel that I can, I can get some control over the deal. Even if there was a, a, you know, a 30th amendment banning, you know, all my pizza and milk duds and so forth. Don't, it doesn't matter. I'll get to it. Thank God for this, Maura. Pat, I'll, I'll pass with that. I agree, Larry. Thank God for this program. Thanks for your share, Larry. Sandy S., it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, and I want to affirm that. Thank God for this program, and thank God for the vision line. And I think it's important for me to just say the truth about myself. I always knew from the moment I had consciousness that there was something radically wrong with me. My primary thing is mental illness. There is not a single person in my immediate family or my extended family that ever had a problem with food. I would say we're like skinny, successful lunatics. And I don't know how at the age of 12 or 13, it'll be a total mystery to me how I suddenly got catapulted into compulsive eating. I was a completely, totally normal eater from a normal eating, mentally ill family that knew there was definitely something wrong with me and that I was powerless. I never had any doubt about that. And then I got into the food and I had no desire to ever stop because I got into bulimia. And I could just eat all I wanted and never get fat. And that was really the beginning of total devastation and destruction. And my will was strong. I was going to succeed while eating and throwing my up. And the only problem is I totally destroyed myself and came to OA, not because I wanted to stop eating, but I got caught stealing and uh, I was terrified. And then what really got me to stop eating was a spiritual experience. And I have no idea why I got that spiritual experience, but since then I've been totally, completely abstinent. And my biggest issue is acknowledging I am powerless, not only over food, but for me, mental illness, fear. Let me just take away the word mental illness. It has so many connotations. It's fear. I, it's in my body, and I am powerless over it. And I truly believe that only a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity because I have spent 71 years trying to restore myself to sanity and it doesn't work. I am so grateful to be abstinent, but that is only the beginning for me. I really experience each day opening myself up to God's power because that's really the key for me. I still keep thinking I'm the higher power. I'm not. And I still just have to open myself up to the possibility that there's a caring higher power. I can't force myself to believe in God. If I could, I would. All I have to do is be open. Gentle reminder. I'm done. Thank you, Sandy S. Leah Ann, it's your turn. Thanks so much. 
This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. You know, it really baffled me, even as a kid. The chains of compulsive overeating were too soft to be felt until they were too hard to be broken, and boy, did I try. I was well within its grip, long before its grip was revealed to me. You know, I'm not a stupid person. I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, that's true. But I'm not stupid. I'm pretty bright. I have a good memory. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this behavior, uh, these foods burn me over and over and over again. But for some strange reason left to my own devices and my own resources, I could not remember (laughs) what compulsive overeating was doing to me. All I would focus on is what it was doing for me, the sense of ease and comfort that I would get when I would dig my fists into the cellophane bags and bakery boxes. And believe me, when I said I wasn't going to act like this anymore, eat like that anymore, lie like that anymore, I really meant it. I, I really meant it. My world was getting smaller and smaller and smaller as this disease was wrapping its talons tighter and tighter and tighter around my neck, you know, and (laughs) the tears would come down at night, you know, on my pillow as a kid. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And then, of course, in the morning, I would eat again and again and again and again. And that's what it means to be a real compulsive overeater, that even after all the suffering and all the medical consequences that I endured and all the hospitalizations and the mental torture and the emotional turmoil, the isolation, the deep depression, the suicidal thinking, um, I would think that picking up that first bite is the best idea I had in a long time. You know, and it got so bad for me, so very bad for me, that I ended up in a room called Overeaters Anonymous, (laughs) And my disease continued to progress even within those rooms for five more years until someone in whom the problem had been solved cracked open this text and brought it to life. And they taught me what it meant to be a real compulsive overeater. And they taught me about allergy of the body and they taught me about the obsession of the mind. And But the disease had done its job. It had beat me into a state of powerlessness, hopelessness, doomed based on my own experience. I was full of complete despair. I had an inner lack of strength, and, you know, uh, I was told that I could be restored to sanity as a result of these 12 steps in this process and a relationship with power if I was willing to do so. And after getting bludgeoned, beaten, and tortured, and suffering from this illness, I, I picked up this kit of spiritual tools, and that has been my experience, freedom from this illness. And if it was true for me, it can be true for you. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Leah M. So we have five minutes left. If we have two two and a half minute shares, who would like them? Nancy L. Kelly. Kelly. Nancy and Kelly. I've got Nancy and Kelly. Nancy, your last initial, please go ahead and share. Hi, it's Nancy L. in Arizona. I'm getting pretty old here in Arizona, but uh, memory's not so great, but I will never forget the day that I hit the rock bottom. I pulled into the garage, turned the engine off, looked down at my blouse, the buttons are popping, there's candy wrappers all over my lap and the pass- and also in the passenger seat. And I am just absolutely finished. I had spent from uh, five years old to 55 years old beating, trying to beat this game 
on my own, and I was down for the count. I, uh, you know, I had I had just spent 12 months free of the fat. I finally found a diet, and I was free for a whole 12 months. And now I'm looking down at my blouse, and the weight is coming on, and I am not about to sit around and just see how high it's going to be this time. So there were suicidal thoughts. There was desperate depression. I couldn't even hardly look at my family. I was just a mess. And uh, thank God, I too found the answer in the rooms of OA. How grateful I am for that. Thank you, God. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy L. Kelly L or Kelly S? It's Kelly S. Thanks, Mara, for your service. Thank you. All right, thank you. Kelly S. recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, compulsive overeater and bulimic. So, um, so grateful to be here today. And I agree with the person who said every every time I get on here, I'm like, this is the best meeting ever. So today, this is the best meeting ever. And the tragic truth is, if the man be a real alcoholic, well, part of my problem was I spent 30 years not really uh, accepting that I was the real compulsive overeater. I would say it, I'd give it lip service, but I didn't truly believe this in my heart, right? And so, you know, I had that lurking notion. I didn't, um, you know, it says in the book, we have to have no lurking notion, you know, and I had to concede to my innermost self that I would never, ever be able to eat my alcoholic foods. I could never, you know, compulsively overeat again. I had to put the food down 100%, black and white. That was part that I was missing in 30-something years. And then, you know, I love that someone had shared the desire. There is no into desire. And I heard there's no into into, uh, thinking or into feeling chapter. But um, I desired this so bad. You know, I spent 30 years in this room, these rooms wanting this so bad, thinking I was doing all I was supposed to do. But what did I really desire? I desired to be released from the consequences of this disease, you know. And uh, I would get away from that physical allergy long enough. And then that mental obsession that we've been learning about would drive me back because I wasn't willing to change and some of it was I didn't understand how much I needed to change and you know it would drive me back because like we hear my build up of human emotions and I'd look for ease and comfort and I didn't have a higher power so I'd go back to food every time and I loved what somebody shared this has been my path to my higher power it's all about it you know the book tells us that we agnostics we have a spiritual malady it's all about getting a relationship with a higher power so I didn't understand that finally so what did it get to I got to that place of desperation. I had a desire for 30-something years. I desired to stop, to do all the things. I wanted what you guys had, but I didn't have that desperation I needed to uh, not literally hit my knees, but figuratively hit my knees, give up, do whatever I had to, follow the instructions in this big book, open my mind. I started with a set-aside prayer because 30-something years in this room, I knew everything. I'm telling you guys, I got desperate enough. I desired it, didn't get me anywhere. I'm just going to wrap up with this. I heard it in this room for the first time after 30 years, and it bears repeating in case you're new and didn't hear it. You know, it's not for people who need it. It's not for people who want it. It's for people who do it. And I finally did it after 30 years, and I have what this book promises. Glad to be here. Thank you, Mara. Great note to finish on, Kelly S. Thank you so very much. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. I really appreciate it. We all appreciate it. It's the many voices that help us all to recover. We will now, okay, 
going back a paragraph, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Important number, today's share ID, 12,847-12847. And now we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie G., would you please read our book is suggested only. Love to, Maura. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.